please join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. Please be seated unless you'd like to come forward for our children's time. All are welcome to come forward for a moment or two. Anybody interested? This is actually something that everybody is going to do together. And so it's really helpful to have folks up front because you're gonna help uh, the folks that are sitting in the pews to see what we're doing. Um, if you've been to church the last few Sundays, you know that we're learning the Ten Commandments. And another word for commandment is, or what we call the Ten Commandments, is the Ten Things, or the Ten Words. And we're gonna look at the fifth thing today. And Miriam is going to read us the scripture. I want you to pay attention to the very first word, and then listen to everything else, but try to remember the first word. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Okay, now we need a little more sound on that. So move in a little bit. Get right in on the mic. Move the mic close. There you go. Honor. Okay. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Thank you. Okay, what was the first word? You heard it three times, maybe. <laughs> honor, yeah. And honor is one of those words that we learn over time. Some people misquote that commandment and say obey, and sorry, but it's not obey. It's honor. You're going to have to teach that another way. But the, the fifth thing tells us that we need to honor our mother and father, and it's not just about our mother, my mother and father, or your mother and father. It's about elders in general. So keep that in mind. And I, one of the ways that I learned about honor was through yoga. Does anybody know what yoga is? Yeah, yoga is when you do these movements to get into your body. Sort of like to help you get grounded. You know, sometimes you feel like you're not focused and you're running all over the place. And it's like, settle down, get into your body. Do you want to try it? You want to try a yoga move? It's kind of easy. Come on, stand up. Let's stand up. We're going to do what's called tree pose. Oh, yeah, if you want to stand up, let's do it. Tree pose. <clears throat> so the first important thing about yoga, and we wouldn't ordinarily do it with shoes on, but since we have shoes on, let's keep them on. We're going to do tree. So I want you to put your feet about hip width apart and feel the bottom of your feet feet touching your shoes and then try to feel your shoes touching the floor and then imagine that your feet are like your roots 
and they go way down deep into and below the floor, like below the soil, and they spread out. And then as you come up your body, go all the way up through your legs, through your spine, and stand nice and straight and tall like a tree. See if you can feel a piece of string, like it's a piece of string or the energy going from the bottom of your feet all the way through your legs, through your torso or tummy, all the way up through your shoulders and your neck, through your head, and as if it was coming out of the top of your head. And now take your hands in a prayer position and put it right on your sternum, right in the middle of your chest. And just stand there like a tree. Yeah, just relax, just breathe. And some people get really fancy and they put their foot up on their leg like this. I'm surprised I can do it. And then you get even fancier and you put your hands up over your head and you balance. And you realize that sometimes it feels like a tree in a hurricane. (laughs) (laughs) And at the end of all these poses, that's awesome. At the end of all, and when you're really good on one side, sometimes you're not really good on the other side. But these poses help us to stay grounded and connected to our body as we move through the world. And at the end of a yoga class, it's very common for the yogi, the teacher, to say namaste. And they bow, namaste. And the literal meaning of namaste is I bow to you. And namaste is from the Sanskrit language. It's one of the languages that's spoken in India. And namaste is used as a greeting And it's also used at a time of parting. So there's a slight bow, and your hands are still in here. But one of the ways, one of the reasons it made this fifth thing made me think of this is because another translation for namaste is, the light in me honors the light in you. And it's a way of honoring, a way of seeing that each one of us carries the light of the divine within us. And the light that is within me is the same light that is in w- within you. And how that light comes out may be differently, like maybe through piano, or art, or gymnastics, or to be determined. And so I wanted to just share with you that practice of namaste. And I invite you to turn and face the people in our congregation, the people in our community, and let's bow to one another, recognizing and honoring the light within each person. Namaste. And you might, as as you're going about your week, you might want to look for that light in each other as you maybe outwardly bow or inwardly bow. Okay, thank you. Let's, um, let's continue to explore what honoring is, and you can remain standing. We're going to sing hymn number 583 in the New Century Hymnal, 583. 1,800 years ago, approximately, one of the rabbis who was 
part of compiling the Jewish oral traditions, which are known as the Talmud, suggested that the most difficult of all 613 commandments, we're only doing 10, remember, but of all 613 commandments, in honor thy mother and father is probably the most difficult. So if you have found this to be difficult over your life, you're not alone. Uh, and it's nothing new. It is a challenge. Psychologist tells us that the relationship between parents and children is the most complex relationship that we have. And I wanted to just underscore again, it's not obey your parents, it's honor them. And there's a really big difference because we know that sometimes parents are engaged in things that are illegal, immoral, and unsafe, and those are not to be obeyed. Um, those are to be reported, actually. The word honor comes from the Hebrew kavad, which has a two-sided meaning. So even the word itself recognizes this challenge. On one side, it means to honor, to give importance. And on the other side, it is heaviness and difficulty. So even within the word, that challenge is inherent. The upside of this fifth thing is that it places mothers and fathers on equal footing, which is significant given the patriarchal construction of Israelite society. So that's an upside. Mothers and fathers are seen as equal. And it also acknowledges that at the center of human community, is how we care for one another. That's the center of what it means to live as a people and as a community. And I'm sure there are images going through your head right now that you have seen where we're recognizing that caring for one another is not always at the center. There's a heaviness connected to that. And so part of our challenge is how do we honor? How do we give importance to those who are excluded, denied, diminished, demeaned, detained? It's also important to recognize that this commandment is addressed to adult children it is not the job of young children to care for their parents. And I'm sure that many of you know examples of children who are caring for their parents and how difficult that is and the lessons that these children are learning early on, how it affects their becoming an adult and functioning fully in society as an adult. And it's, it's addressed in the context of the extended family. You know, we, if, if, if we were to say the one thing of how we have really moved away from biblical teaching, it would be that we've individualized it, and biblical teaching is all about community. It's not about individuals. So all of these commandments 
are in the context of our extended family, not the nuclear family. Your family just got a lot bigger. And so did our responsibilities get a lot bigger. And so this is about providing care and support from a biblical perspective for the elderly. Now, what a horrible word, but nobody wants to think of themselves as old or elderly. It's always five or ten years beyond your current age, right? (laughs) We spend a lot of energy trying not to be old or elderly. When it is a place of honor, We've gotten really good at taking care of the lower end of the spectrum, the children, of caring for them and honoring them. And this is a reminder to care and honor for the opposite end of the spectrum, which I know many of you have done well, painstakingly and well, sacrificially and well. It also applies to those who become increasingly reliant on others for support and basic needs. So it might not be the people that are at the very end of their life cycle, but people who have very real and identifiable needs. It reminds me of a woman named Emily. And Beth and I live next door, about four houses down from Emily. And boy, was she a spitfire. She, you know, she was all of four foot ten. When I met her, she was in her 90s, and she's still living. And she was a widow. She had been a widow by the time I met her for more than 20 years, and she never learned how to drive. And part of our weekly ritual on Saturday mornings was that Beth and I would get up and have coffee with Emily at this place called the Pantry. And the pantry was the equivalent of walking from here down to Frank's Market on the corner of 9th and whatever that, and Kaufman. Emily would walk, we would drive. (laughs) You know, those few extra moments in the morning are kind of precious. But she would beat us every week, and she would be there with bells on. Over time... Emily's capacity would shift, and, you know, the conversation that we would have each week would be pretty familiar, almost identical. But Emily was so good at building community. And this really came into light when things got harder for Emily. She doesn't walk to the pantry anymore. In fact, She doesn't even go to the pantry anymore. The pantry comes to her. She's got people each day of the week coming with a cup of coffee and what we would call a treat or a baked good. And it's really interesting because as we learned more about this, we realized that we had to coordinate this because there were three people showing up at the same time with coffee. Or we would show up with coffee. There'd already be a coffee on the stoop because all the doors were locked tight couldn't always get in the house. She had her nieces. She had Richard and Karen, who were part of the pantry community. She had her neighbors. She even had the owner of the funeral home checking in on her once in a while. (laughs) She had already paid for her service. That will be someday. 
And this is not a small community. Fairfield, Connecticut is not a small community. It's like Longmont. Lots of people, lots of commerce. But people knew Emily. And I remember one time we had what felt like a bit of a crisis in Emily's life. Her hairdresser was leaving town. It's a big deal. Trust me, what we wanted to say is, Emily, you don't need to dye your hair anymore. You don't need a perm. Do you really need to do this? But this was a weekly ritual to either get it washed or to get it permed. And so we had to spring into action to figure out who she could go to. And by the way, it could only be $20. <laughs> you could see why her other one had to leave town. So we decided that for a time we would try to supplement, you know, how much this costs, but eventually we had to say, look, you're going to have to come up with some more because it costs more now. And she did. So I think about the bank teller who painstakingly cashed her check each month in certain denominations so it could go in the envelopes. I think about the people on the other end of the phone after a storm when there was a huge branch on her lawn that she couldn't pick up? You know those things that sometimes older adults tend to uh, notice without relief from noticing until it's removed? <laughs> We're all going to do that if we don't already. But what I want to remind you about Emily is that she was very pleasant. She wasn't grumpy. Now, she might have been grumpy with family, and that's the tricky part, because when she'd answer the phone, she'd be like, Hello? Hi, Emily. And it was either Beth or myself. Hi, Emily, it's Sarah. Oh, hi! Suddenly she's great, but just in case it was family, she might have been a little down. <laughs> You've never done that, have you? <laughs> Unbelievable. So I wonder, you know, this is a perfect example of what it means to honor folks. I wonder what it might look like if, as a community, this fifth thing was a focus of our ministry within and beyond our walls. We call that congregational care, and we're going to be talking about that in August, about what that needs to look like now. But there were also a lot of pictures and a lot of commentary going around um, that might not exactly seem like this fifth thing, but, but I want you to consider it. It's become common now at pride celebrations for people to show up wearing free mom hugs and free dad hugs t-shirts. And one of the guys that did this recently, he said, imagine that your child feels so lost from you that they sink into the arms of a complete stranger wearing a shirt offering hugs from a mom or dad. Now these are adults, but they're somebody's child, and they desperately need a hug from a mom or a dad. He said, you know, some people just come up, give you a high five, a quick hug, but others just sink in a little further and hold on a little longer, as if they really needed it. So I'm thinking, okay, we need like free son, daughter, non-binary offspring hugs t-shirts. <laughs> free neighbor hugs t-shirts. You name it. But we need to figure out a way to connect and a way to heal the hurts that are so true. And it's, it can be easier when it's someone outside of your immediate family. I get that. I lived it. I know it. 
So I'm thinking we should come up with a parent swap app. You know, you take care of mine, I'll take care of yours. Or we'll alternate a little bit. Because sometimes it helps just to see someone else with your parent. That's actually how I learned to hug my parents. I brought home a date who was like, hi. I'm like, wow, look at that. I had never seen that before, and I'm being sincere with you, even though it's pretty funny. Huh. So I think we can help each other with that, because I know there are some folks here who do it really well. It can be confusing when parents or siblings or neighbors begin to lean on you for support. That role reversal. You know, we've talked about being a child of God and being an adult of God. It's about being a child with your parents and being an adult with your parents. I'm sure both sides resist that to some degree. So the challenge is, how do you respond without becoming overwhelmed or impatient or burned out? And part of the answer is, well, you might not be able to every time, but here are three pieces that might be helpful. The first is you must decide whether or not to forgive. Now, I know that the topic of forgiveness keeps coming up because let me tell you, if you're going to walk a Christian path, it's going to keep coming up. And you're going to have to forgive, which which does not mean that you have to erase or deny or downplay any pain that's been caused. Don't ever do that. Remember it. But give up the resentment or the need for revenge and choose to show mercy and compassion instead. It is a choice that we can live into. And one of the things I've noticed is that I really spent a lot of time thinking about this this week because I have forgotten a lot of things that I've experienced as a child. I can call it up in a minute, I guess, but I think the gift of forgiveness is that it's not primary in your thoughts. You know those obsessive thoughts that you have? Forgiveness allows it to take a back seat. The absence of forgiveness keeps it in the front seat. And then it's not really clear who's driving the vehicle. So I just offer that to you. Number two is learn to create healthy and respectful limits. I hear a lot of people who are really struggling and doing this well, but still struggling, like with feelings of guilt. Am I being selfish? And I think when the word selfish comes to mind, or the question, am I being selfish, Think about this. Is it selfishness or is it self-care? Because self-care is critical. Everybody needs some time off. And in your family, if you have not been taught or if you have not learned that you can't get what you want when you want it and how you want it, you're going to have a tough go. So you're going to need a lot of breaks. Time between conversations, for instance. You know what, I need a, I need a time out here. I, I can hear this is how you want it, but remember when I was two years old and we were in the grocery store and you said, no, you can't have that? There was a reason behind that, right? Well, there's a reason behind what I'm saying right now. I'm thinking about the welfare of both of us or all of us. So let's take a time out, and I'm guessing 
when we come back to it, maybe we can look at it a little bit differently. Maybe not, but it's worth a try. The third thing is to ask for help. Develop a network that will uncover the best ways to help and support folks as they grow older and decline in health. Think of Emily. She had us all pegged in a good way. And we rallied around her through a lot of challenging moments. We recognize that it takes a village for children, right? We allow that. Well, guess what? We all take a village, honestly. Nobody is self-made. Nobody is independent. We all need help. Some of us just hide it better than others. I used to have to tell my father that there was no prize for not turning on the air conditioner in the summer and no prize for not turning on the heat in the fall. Well, I got to tell you, there's also no prize for using all your energy to remain or appear to be independent. There's no prize for it. Really, what it does, I think, is isolate us. So it's good to practice now allowing folks to help little things. You know, I really would like it if you'd come and visit. Can I call you once in a while? Would you like to go out for coffee or tea? We need each other. And this is a commandment that reminds us of our interdependence. One more hard piece. What about when we know or finally admit that our needs will not be met by a particular person, regardless of our effort. There are circumstances and conditions beyond our control, and sometimes it feels like asking someone to be something is like asking someone with a broken leg to run. It's just not going to work. And sometimes we just have to admit that. And in so doing, we must differentiate between our needs and any fixations we have on a particular person or a strategy. The word mother, father, sister, brother, spouse, even pastor, can be loaded with idealistic thinking and unfair expectations. Loaded. And sometimes the expectations are reasonable but not possible. And so what we do in those moments is we see where else what we need is being offered. Now, I've told you enough to let you know that I didn't get everything I needed in my family of origin like many of you. In fact, I got a whole truckload that needed to be dumped. But I got enough. I got enough. And part of what helps me is the 14th chapter in the Gospel of John. When Jesus, who was their teacher, by their side all the time, guiding them, teaching them, leading them, loving them, especially when they didn't get it, he was preparing them for the day that he would not be there. And he says, I will not leave you orphaned. But I am going to the Father, his word for God. And I will send you the Spirit, and the Spirit will teach you everything you need to know. 
The Spirit will guide you. And that's where we come into play because that Spirit works through us. And that's why we can look at this and say, well, didn't get it where I wanted it or where I thought I should get it, but wow, it showed up over here. Consider the people that have come into your life and taught you these fundamental lessons, the lessons about forgiveness, about healthy and respectful limits, who have taught you how to ask for help. And many of you may say, well, I learned that through reading. Well, somebody wrote that. Somebody wrote what you read that helped you so much. The persons who embodied interdependence and demonstrated what it sounds like and looks like and feels like to be honored and to honor another. It can be learned. Allow God's spirit to work beyond what you think it should be or who you think it should come from. You'll be amazed at the love that comes your way. Namaste. You go knowing that, go trusting too that the light of God does surround you. The love of God enfolds you. The power of God protects you. And the presence of God watches over you. And with that, know that you go wherever you go in peace. Amen. Amen.